Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian, Dorian, Dorian. Dorian. Man, luxury is the truth. Yeah, Naga Hyde. There's something about Naga Hyde that just makes you feel luxurious. So soothing. And and I've never had a gooseberry muffin before, but these are delicious. Um, You might have brought that from somewhere else because we do not (laughs) sell gooseberry muffins, (laughs) and nor will we ever. That's written on the lease. In fact, we're proprietary alert management that you snuck something in here. I'm sorry. These muffins actually honk. Yeah. We're not going to do the gooseberry. Anyway, all that, we do have gooseberry jam, but that's a whole other thing. So, uh, uh, all that said. I want to see how you segue this one. I'm not going to. Okay. The baptism of the Lord. <laughs> Just said it, and now here we are, and now we're, we're doing it. So, uh, the baptism of the Lord is, uh, we've got some good shows about the theology of the baptism of the Lord. Uh, why did Jesus get baptized? Did he have to get baptized? Did Jesus ever sin? Is that why he got baptized to be saved? What, why would he need to do that? Things like that. W- w- those questions are all answered in uh, just uh, go to thecatholiccafe.com. Uh, go to the listen page. And you can actually search keywords. Uh, put baptism of the Lord, baptism of Jesus. And you'll find we have we have a couple of shows about that that cover all those topics. But I wanted to today, in a little different way, kind of treat the baptism of the Lord in a different way, because um, there was something that struck me. There was a phrase in the gospel reading that struck me this time that made me think, um, we should really just talk about this mm-hmm. and this aspect of, of the baptism of the Lord. So in that reading, uh, this year we, we're listening uh, to Luke, and uh, in, in Luke's gospel, chapter 3, It says these words, The people were filled with expectation, and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. John answered them all, saying, I am baptizing you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to loosen the thongs on his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. After all the people had been baptized, and Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, heaven was opened up, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Um, and so just a beautiful gospel reading, lots to talk about. And I'm sure most uh, priests and deacons that preach uh, will be talking about the baptism of the Lord and why that's important and how maybe you know we can see it from the perspective of why he got baptized. He blessed the waters and, and opened up the possibility of, of all being baptized uh, you know, in the Holy Spirit going forward from that point. All these different ways of looking at that. And those will be good homilies, I'm sure. But there was one phrase that you heard me say that I really wanted to kind of focus on because it just opened up my eyes to a lot of things about about God, really, and about our own baptism. But it's uh, it's where John says, uh, I'm not worthy to loosen the thongs of the sandals. And he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I've always loved that phrase. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I just assume it's like, I like that. You know, it wasn't enough to say he's going to use the, uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, because he could have stopped there. Right. But he said, and fire. And it's like, well, what, whoa, 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 what does that mean? 
You know, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard these expressions. I know you have. Uh, but, um, you know, to get fired up about something. Oh, yeah. Or, or to be on fire mm-hmm. for something. And we even hear people say, I'm on fire for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we hear that expression tossed around. And I thought, like, well, you know, as I'm thinking about it, this idea of fire and God are not, like, it's not some kind of random connection. And I, and I think about all of the different times in scriptures, in the Old and New Testaments, when we see sort of like fire being connected with God. Mm-hmm. And, and for instance, I uh, just want to read a couple of, a couple of them here for, uh, for you. So Isaiah chapter 6, verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphim to me, having in his hand a burning coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin forgiven. I mean, think about that for a second. The image of like, I mean, how many things, how many sins have we committed with our mouths? Right. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. They're involved in, so we run in our mouth, we're filling our mouth, we're doing all kinds of stuff with our mouths. And here we have this image of, of an angel Right, taking uh, tongs that have a burning coal in it. Baptism is a lot less painful painful than that. You know? I don't know. I don't know if you uh, when I was baptized back in my day. <laughs> they put a hot coal in your head or in your mouth. <laughs> it was painful. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So that, but that imagery of 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 your guilt of your sin being burned away. Oh, it's powerful. I, I just I love that, and a lot of people don't realize. That the Hebrew, uh, the the angels, um, the the delineation of seraphim, uh, that name seraphim literally means burning ones. Mm. These are the these are these are fiery angels. Well, that's why Saint Francis is called the seraphic saint because yes. he was on fire for God. He was one of the burning ones while here on earth. Yes, and so we see this idea of of fire, right, being utilized here in this way, uh, and then also um, the souls of the righteous, and so. The souls of the righteous and the wisdom, uh, the book of wisdom, chapter three, uh, and this is all uh, at a at a funeral. All, uh, it's one of the favorite readings. In fact, at my mom's funeral, I read this um, or had this reading, and uh, and it's from the book of wisdom, chapter three, um, and and it's, it talks about the, um, the, the the souls of the righteous and goes on to say uh, the souls of the righteous, having been disciplined a little, they will receive great good because God tested them. And found them worthy of himself. Like gold in the furnace, he tried them. And like a sacrificial burnt offering, he accepted them. Mm. We, we don't always listen to that imagery. And it's like, wait a second. You know, he, 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 he like, like gold in the furnace, he tried them. Right, well, and, that, and that's a purification process. And similarly, it was a purification process of the angel because the angel was, he was bringing the hot coal to his lips to purify his speech, to yes. prepare him to prophesy for the Lord. Exactly. And so you start to realize how powerful this image and this idea. And if you think about it, uh, when, we're, you know, when you're wearing that, uh, you know, uh, Sam, that, uh, that, the gold grill you got there on your mouth. <laughs> The 24 carats. Yes. Oh, it's now, beautiful. It just wasn't just dug up out of the ground like that. <laughs> no, no. You know, it says faith, and I think that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, it's, <laughs> it's so, <laughs> done with a Christmas light that I have powered by a battery that I keep in the back of my teeth. But but that, but that gold. It's really good looking when you're eating that gooseberry. <laughs> <laughs> gold, I thought that was the light shining, but it's not. It's gooseberries. But but the but the gold the twenty four carat gold is made twenty four carat through purification yes right Th- basically being burned and burned and burned and all the impurity being burned away in this big gold furnace right right and so we start to realize how just in the in in nature 
how purification takes place, like burning away all the all the bad stuff in gold, mm-hmm. so that it like what you dig out of the ground isn't going to be pure gold, right? It's going to have other uh, stuff in there. Mm-hmm. It gets burned away in in that process. But there's also these images of fire all throughout Scripture that are really powerful when you put them all together. Um, when God appeared to Abram, right, to become Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold. A smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces, the, the offerings mm-hmm. that Abram had put out there. And it's like God appeared as a smoking fire pot. Yeah. You know, flaming torch. So God appears as fire there. And when God appeared to Moses, we all know the story of the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and lo, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. So there was this very mystical fire mm-hmm. that God's very presence there in this burning bush. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, uh, we look at the tabernacles, the gold tabernacles, and you can kind of see the image of the burning bush there. Mm-hmm. God's yeah. presence, you know, at, uh, just above the altar, you know, at a, at a beautiful high altar, you'll see this golden tabernacle and see this image of the burning bush. So God revealed himself to Moses you know, as essentially uh, in, in, in flame, right? Um, and then how God appears to, Ab- uh, to is- all of Israel, uh, Exodus chapter 40, for throughout all their journeys, the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel. Again, this big, like the tent of meeting where the tabernacle was in the desert, right? There's God in their midst, the presence of God in their midst as a fire, and you could see the fire at night. It was dark, and you could see. So in the cloud in the day, you really couldn't see the flame. But at night, you could see that 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 warm flame. I'm sure. Tom, you were there, weren't you? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, your grandfather Explains was the there. Hair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. So and then God appeared to Elijah in First Kings chapter 18. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. I mean, God appears as fire so often. Uh, he appeared to the apostles on Pentecost, mm-hmm. right? When the Holy Spirit comes down upon them at, on, at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then it, Second Thessalonians chapter 1 describes how God will appear in the last judgment. God deems it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant rest with us to you who are afflicted when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Mm. So if you see flaming fire in the skies, it's time you better like take stock of everything that right. you, you thought was important in life and realize what actually is. But mm-hmm. God will appear. So there, there are going to be flames associated with the second coming. Right. right, and that's important to understand. Uh, and then um, this is, I think, my all-time favorite because all of these can also be associated with our teaching about purgatory and purgation and the idea of being purged of our sinfulness or our our attraction uh, to sin, right? Which is necessary for necessary for us to be able to enter heaven because nothing unclean Revelation tells us will enter into heaven. But purgation, purging us of our attachment to sin, is important. And the way in which it's happens described so often as fire, as it being burned. That's why sometimes we'll we'll look at like purgatory and see like it's really like it's like flames and like maybe it's painful, uh, you know. But but maybe it's a good kind of pain. Like this is 
you know, this is going to be good for me to lose all this attachment uh, to sin. But this is this is from First Corinthians chapter three. After death, it was talking about our our dying. It says each man's work will become manifest for the day, capital D, right? So the judgment day. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work which any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Mm. You stop and think about that. I mean, that, that fire, it just we're all in this big furnace with all these impurities, right? And then God is going to purify us with fire. He's going to burn it all away. Because it even says there, right, you may, you may at the end of your days, right, all your works, your life will be tested with fire. Yeah. And, and if you're like, if you've done a whole bunch of bad things, it still says that though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire, this fire will actually save you. Well, I think it's interesting that we're talking about fire as an instrument for purification and for growing in purity. Because a lot of times the word purity within the Catholic context, let's face it, people jump immediately to matters of like sex and sexuality, right? That, right. that brand of purity, right? But if you really think about it, purity, like when, when Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure of hearts, for they shall see God, that what, what they're actually talking about is the Holy Spirit purifying us to make us more Christ-like, to make us the spirit of the adoption of the children of God makes adopts us to become children of our heavenly Father, just as Jesus is His begotten Son, and um, you know the the work of the Holy Spirit is to form Christ in us, to purify us, and the the measure of our purity is how Christ-like are we you know nature grace builds on nature they say and grace perfects nature and that's the holy spirit working upon who we are uniquely to make us like christ for the glory of the father and that trinitarian event the same way that trinitarian event was depicted in 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 the baptism narrative you read earlier yeah and and that's it's beautiful and i'm glad you point that out uh sam that essentially this fire is supposed to make us more christ-like i mean that's the goal and we actually have um, really, uh, a concrete um, example of this in the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus went through fire in that in the, in that context, right? The, the the fire of 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 pain, the fire of judgment, the fire of uh, of of people, you know, looking at him and hating him and and, and spitting upon him and putting a crown of thorns on him and and beating the stew out of him. I mean, essentially, Jesus went through fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so. At the end of the day, uh, and really just giving the last full measure, right? Dying for us, the ultimate fire. Now, because of that, we are saved, right? But in his situation, I, I, there was no doubt that he would be saved because he is he is the Savior, right? And and so we see that connection. So we, we can become more Christ-like. So we have to realize that all the trials that we have in life, when we understand them in the, in the way that you placed them before, Sam, in terms of like... All these things are not meant to break us down, but they're meant to essentially build us up. Yeah. Right? And and, and that essentially all these bad things that happen to us, I mean, essentially are for our good and that we're, we're actually being purified. Right. In the process of, of suffering. 
like the path to humility often comes through humiliations that God will sometimes permit. And are they painful at the time? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, and, and, you know, in the end, they're one of the primary means, you know, in God permitting those humiliations by helping us grow and, and, and be purified, you know, to be like him. But we don't stop and think about it at the time of their spiritual value. What we think at the time is, man, that was unfair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And even, and even when we understand and we don't claim that it's unfair, even when we think like this is really ultimately going to be far good, it, it's still painful. Oh, yeah. Right. And that's why they call it like redemptive suffering right right because redemptive cotton candy you know wouldn't that be lovely right <laughs> yeah. but it's not it's redemptive suffering so that there, there is a fire in the suffering mm. right and that but that suffering is doing something for us that that fire is actually purifying us it's taking away our dependence on all the impurities and taking away our our dependence on all the sinfulness and all the all the things that lead us away from jesus and as you said before it's making us more christ-like Day by day. So every fire we encounter, right, that's that's really, ultimately, it's a good thing. I'm, and no one sits, you know, while they're literally on fire and doesn't have some kind of, you know, in nature reaction. Mm-hmm. Right. And that reaction is going to be, get the heck out of the fire. Well, something that's interesting here, you know, that passage that you read, a lot of times, you know, especially within the Catholic charismatic community, that gets singled out as being, you know, uh, sort of a proof text for the, the, the phenomenon known as baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? Where people say, have you been, have you received a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a special and uh, described as a special encounter with God, a special anointing that you receive in which your life is transformed for Christ and you're alive in the Holy Spirit, right? And, and I, I think that what you're saying here is that this moment of baptism in the Holy Spirit, the, me- the moment of baptism in fire, is actually a lifelong, continuing process of fire. It's not like a one and done, the fire has come upon you. The fire comes upon you and stays with you. I, I don't like the fact that you'd put words in my mouth, Sam, but you're exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> what I meant. <laughs> because, the, because, the, because the next logical conclusion is, is is John the Baptist the Baptist is telling us that Jesus is coming along. I'm not worthy to loosen the thongs on his sandals. And you know what? He's going to baptize you differently than me with the Holy Spirit and with fire, right? And so that baptism is not a it's a one-time event for us. It opens a door, but the fire should never stop. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that we should be in pain from the from the day of our birth until the day of our death we're in pain. I'm just saying that we should be on fire for the Lord all this time, and and some of it will be painful. Some of it will be redemptive suffering, but certainly it's not a one-time event that like I received the Holy Spirit on that day and then I spoke tongues and it was a it was an, an anointed moment. That may happen, right? And I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying don't look at this as a one-time event. Look at this as uh, really look at baptism as opening a door. Right for the rest of the rest of your life, and that that's why we call baptism sort of that primal uh, sacrament, the, the the key to the sacramental life. Because and that's why we can't receive any sacraments until we've been baptized. Mm-hmm. Well, and also receiving the the, the uh, in addition to to uh, baptism, you have it goes hand in hand with confirmation, where you receive yes. the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I think one thing that we've talked about this on previous episodes, when God gives us gifts. 
we do have uh, an obligation to actually acknowledge and actively try to receive those gifts, to open the presents, so to speak, to yeah. put them to use. And so there could be some of our listeners who have been baptized and they've been confirmed and they may be saying, gee, this sounds kind of interesting, but I don't relate to it because I don't really feel like I've ever really experienced the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I'm praying right. you know. And if somebody here is having that experience, what I would encourage them to do is is to stop and to ask God, you know, to say, come Holy Spirit, to address the Holy Spirit directly, say, come Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, and really invite God in prayer. And, and it could take a while. It's not going to be just an, inst- an instant thing, but set aside silent time in prayer where you're inviting the Holy Spirit and giving your life to God saying, Lord, I want you to awaken the Holy Spirit within me. I ask you that you transform me by the power of the Holy Spirit, because I want to be more like you. I want to be the person that you're calling me to be by the power of your Holy Spirit. I guarantee you, if you're intentional, you know, uh, over the course of, let's say, 30 days, you decide to set aside, you know, what, 15 minutes a day of silent time, of being really intentional, praying for that, you are, your life will never be the same. Better buckle I agree. up. Yeah, I Better agree Better buckle up, because yeah. it's coming. Yeah. yeah, I agree 100%. And, and, you know, you can go further than that. Uh, you don't have to have a 15-minute session. I encourage that, and, I, and those kind of prayerful times where you invite the Holy Spirit to actually actively work in your life. But I have become accustomed to just invoking the Holy Spirit's name and just saying, come Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Every time I preach, every time that I speak to somebody when I'm counseling somebody, before I come and do a radio show, it's like, come Holy Spirit. And, and allow yourself to be um, a vessel, to allow yourself to be the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit, to allow yourself to be a conduit through which God speaks in whatever you're doing. But you have to, you, you know, you have to invite the Holy Spirit in. And the Holy Spirit is not going to attack you, right? Not going to take you over. You're not going to, um, you're, you're not going to be plundered by the Holy Spirit. You invite the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit willingly works through you, mm-hmm. right? But become come in the habit. You don't. It doesn't take any special training. And you don't have to speak in tongues. You don't. There's nothing. You don't have to do anything but just invite the Holy Spirit. And it didn't just have to be for big high stake things. Like I saw a meme on Facebook where it said, uh, it "said someone asked me, do I need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven?" And I said, "Bro, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart." Yeah, well, that's, that's true. That is also true. But I, I would say that, uh, uh, like, if I'm sitting in a car, you know, with a friend, I'm going like, hey, is it Burger King or McDonald's? And he looks and he gets really solemn and goes, come Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm, I'm less likely to be enthused, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. No, but I, I think at the end Should of the I day, a though, large fry? Come Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's the way to go. I'm just saying, and I agree with you, Sam, right. is that. In our everyday lives, we can invite the Holy Spirit into everything. I think you would agree with that. Right. Well, Paul says, you know, pray unceasingly in the Spirit. And I think that's what ultimately what it comes down to is being intentional about inviting, as you said, the Holy Spirit into each moment, not because you can't decide, you know, what to order at Burger King by yourself, right? (laughs) But but just because he loves you so much, he wants to be a part of your life. And you know what? By the way, if you do invite the Holy Spirit into your order at Burger King, he might tell you, you know what? There's a grilled chicken sandwich there. You know, (laughs) he might actually have something to say. You don't know unless you ask. Tom Tom said, buckle up, you know, because you you don't know what you're going to (laughs) get. When you invite the Lord, right? (laughs) When you invite the Lord into whatever the context, whatever the situation, and I don't want to make light of the fact that uh, there's a lot of people that are having some very difficult times. And in all honesty, uh, you know what? God can 
God covers everything. He can take care of business, and he really can help. And inviting the Holy Spirit when you're talking to your kids, when you've got some fallen away Catholic friend, when, when, when you've got difficult uh, situation, a difficult boss, whatever your situation, I promise you, if you utter to yourself, not out loud, if you utter to yourself, come Holy Spirit, before you get ready to go and talk to your boss that you hate. Yeah. I, I promise you that relationship's going to get better. And it's not about sure. feelings, too. You know, a lot of times there's an emphasis on, I really am feeling the Spirit, and I'm feeling this, and that, and that can happen. Divine consolations are amazing things, but God doesn't want us worshiping the consolations of God. He wants us worshiping the God of the consolations. There right? you go. Exactly and, right. And so, there are, if you look at the history of the saints, there are so many saints who went through long, dry periods in their prayer life where they couldn't even feel the, uh, some, you know, the presence of God in their life. There was like a dark night of the soul. So, if, if you're someone who's always had like an arid prayer life, don't say to yourself, oh, that must mean God doesn't love me because that's not the case. That is not the case. And you're in that place for a reason, but that doesn't change the fact that it will still be effective to call upon the Holy Spirit and invite him to act through you. So here's the thing. Everyone listening right now, you have, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming the vast majority of you have been baptized, right? If you're going to a Catholic church, you better have been baptized. And if not, go talk to the pastor. He'll, he'll, he can fix that. Uh, but the thing is, with your baptism, every single one of you were baptized with the Holy Spirit, and every single one of you were baptized with fire. And so you should be on fire with Jesus Christ. You should be on fire uh, with the Holy Spirit. And, and that fire should be evident in your life. And if you're just not feeling it, if you don't feel that fire, invite that fire, right? Invite the Holy Spirit into your life. Come Holy Spirit. It's a simple three-word prayer that is probably the most powerful prayer that you can, that you can utter because you are really asking for Almighty God to, to just come into you mm-hmm. and to work through you. And amazing things happen, and it's like you 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 don't take the Holy Spirit right and then bottle him up, right inside you, and then it's like it, through every pore of your body, through every out your fingertips, out at the ends of every one of your hairs, shooting out of your eyes, the Holy Spirit will will go everywhere that you go, and will and essentially uh, you know fill the atmosphere, as Francesca Battistelli says, right? It's just it's okay. The Holy Spirit will come and be there, and then go outward. And you have that. You have the authority now because of your baptism, that you've been baptized with fire. You've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so don't sit idly by. Let the Holy Spirit take over your life and then use that Holy Spirit to, to uh, open up the hearts of all those around you and to, to reveal to them the great joy of the gospel. That's something that you can do. And you don't have to have a degree in anything, anything special other than your baptism. Right? If you've got your baptism, you are the Lord's uh, warrior right, against mm-hmm. Satan. And the Holy Spirit is there for us. And let's ask the Blessed Mother then to be with us on this journey with the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother, Mother of, of God, God, pray for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.